Hailing frequencies open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and I wish I had time to be sipping gibbers on a beach, but I've got to find this guy's cudgel. He's very insistent. Joining me on the show again as co-host filling in for Ella Pearson is science fiction writer and editor and the father half of podcasting duo Generations Geek on the Chronic Rift Podcast Network. It's Scott Pearson. Scott, welcome back to the show. Happy to be here. Good to have you. How was your holiday season and how is 2019 looking for you? <laughs> uh, my holiday season was uh, a little odd because, uh, as you know, your regular co-host, my daughter, is... Across the pond, so it was our first uh, holiday season without her in the house, so that was weird, but it was fine. Sure. And uh, 2019 uh, so far, in its its short couple of days, is good. I've uh, got a bunch of uh, freelance work coming in, so uh, I got that going for me. That's great. Ella's on assignment in Portugal currently, I believe? Currently in Portugal, yes. Wow, that's pretty great. Uh, she can be heard on the Generations Geek podcast talking about her experiences at the Destination Star Trek convention in England uh, this last year and also uh, checking out a Tolkien or Tolkien ex- exhibition over there. Yeah, she's getting to do lots of fun, geeky things. She uh, visited Sherwood Forest. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she's doing everything that I wish I could be doing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> You don't think that there's you, you never think that there's a real Sherwood forest. You hear about it a lot, but uh, yeah, I guess that's there you is. Can go. There's not much <laughs> not much left to it. Actually, when I did my study abroad decades ago, I tried to go to Sherwood Forest. A buddy of mine and I had it all planned out. We were out on the road waiting for the bus to come by that was going to take us to uh, you know I I don't can remember now if it was probably taking us to the train station or some sort of you know place to uh, switch to a long term travel. Uh, and we stood there and then the bus was coming and in England, the buses don't stop automatically. You always flag them down and we, uh, waved at the bus and it just drove right on by us. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what happened there, but then through some sort of scheduling thing, uh, we never actually got there. So, uh, okay. All right. (laughs) So, so that it's an extra little twist on me that uh, that the kid got there first even though i tried decades ago <laughs> this bus doesn't go to sherwood forest <laughs> not anymore uh, also joining us on the show tonight he's a new york times best-selling author he's written over a dozen historical and fantasy books for young readers he's also the author of the assassination game a starfleet academy young adult novel set in the kelvin universe it's alan gratz alan welcome back to the show hey thanks for having me it's great to have you back on board. Your last book, Grenade, came out in October of last year. What are you working on currently? So I'm working on a book now about D-Day uh, next year. This year. It's not next year anymore. It's this year. <laughs> this year. Uh, this year. Right. It's three days old. But uh, this year is the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to have a book coming out to, that that focuses on a number of different characters. Uh, still a young adult, a middle grade novel you know, for kids, for young readers. Uh, but focusing on the um, the way that a lot of different people from different places and different backgrounds had to come together to fight against a common enemy, um, something that I kind of feel like it is is Starfleet. I mean, is the Federation um, and 
uh, I, you know, Roddenberry served and a number of the writers on the, on the original show had served. And, um, you know, the show was only, you know, 20 years after World War II. And I really think that a lot of, so a lot of, some of the early storylines like Balance of Terror are clearly inspired by World War II and, and, and events yep. then. And, um, so it's, uh, I, I feel like, you know, 75 years later, we still haven't gotten it right. And that's kind of what the book is also about that it that World War D Day was this incredible time of coming together for a common cause, but there were still too many people marginalized or segregated uh, who were asked to pitch in, but then went right back to being segregated and marginalized when the war was over. Yeah, right. and then uh, many of those people are still fighting their own battles for equality. Yeah, that's something that we've talked about on uh, Enterprising Individuals, uh, specifically about the fact that so many of the creators did serve uh, right. in World War II, and that informed uh, a lot of their writing. And episodes like Balance of Terror, also an episode like uh, Conscience of the King, where sure. Kirk yeah. is uh, trying to take uh, who he thinks is Kodos to task for the atrocities that he committed. And it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, art. Uh, reality reflects art sometimes. Um, yeah. So you've been on the show previously. You were on Discovery previously to talk about season yeah. one, uh, and I think your uh, review of season one was mostly positive. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm torn because I feel like the the writing was uneven at times in in the first season, and um, I think that a lot of times they sacrificed good character development for fast twists and turns, and and. Um, trying to constantly pull the carpet out from under us. And I'm, I'm really hoping that, and for what I've read, you know, of the, the spoilery, non-spoilery stuff for, for next season, um, you know, is that maybe they're going to settle down a little bit. I, I hope that they keep up the pace and that there are still twists and turns, but, but sometimes I felt like they were, they were throwing changes at us last season just to throw changes at us, just to keep the, the plot churning and um, I'd really like to see us settle in and feel like we live on that on that ship and um, and see some continuity with the characters there. And so those are my hopes for the for the upcoming season. I'm definitely all in on the next season. I'm, I'm glad that we have Star Trek back in some form or fashion. Yeah, I, I agree with, uh, you know, that that those desires. And I think that the, the the plot has been really heavy in a lot of the teasers that we've seen. It seems like mm -hmm. we are really going to settle in. On discovery under uh, Captain Pike, and it's the sort of thing where, as an old school Star Trek fan, you know, I look back to the days of the you know the one shot episodes, an interesting planet or or a conflict, and it seems like that serialized storytelling, like where are we? Are we collecting the lights, or are we going from light to light? Right. What, what's the overarching sort of meta plot? Um, that seems to be. I mean, that's just the way TV really is now. Right. Yeah. And I think that they have to we, we can't look backwards. We, we can't say, oh, I wish it was just the old episodic thing. I mean, it's like saying I wish MTV still played music videos. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like like we can be nostalgic for what something was, but we can also at the same time recognize that we've moved beyond that, that, there, that we can't go back to that. Yeah. Um, you know, discovery cannot exist in today's television world and i and i say television by meaning all media that shows anything like a television show anymore and i mean because we can't even describe tv as tv anymore um and uh you know but but i but i say that meaning that discovery can't be episodic like tng i mean it can't even be loosely episodic the way ds9 was i, I mean it, it
it, it has to be much more involved. It has to have the overarching story elements. It has to have the the, the mid-season twist or turn that sort of turns everything on its ear. Um, you know, these are just this is just the way television is now. Um, yeah. You know, and and I think that if it were to go back and try to be the old Trek, it would bring along the old Trek fans, but not any new ones. Yeah. Scott, did you want to add something about the structure of Discovery? Uh, well, I think that uh, the comments that you've made on the first season are fair. It was, you know, there was just, it was very busy, lots of stuff mm -hmm. going on. And uh, as, an, as an older person myself, I, I do have that same nostalgic fondness uh, for uh, the, the original series and more episodic uh, stories occasionally. But, but I agree that it, there is that the television medium has uh, changed to a more uh, serialized format. And, and, and so they really you know, dug in on that for the first season. As far as the second season goes, I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> if, I, if I know anything or don't know anything <laughs> about the second season. Because otherwise, uh, you know, John Van Sitters will have the uh, Star Trek ninjas descend on me. Yeah, we wouldn't want that. Section 31 no. would be right in here to take yeah. Scott out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alan, what did you think of the short treks so far? So uh, in, I've watched them all. Uh -huh. Yeah, I've watched all of them. And uh, the one we're going to talk about tonight is, uh, I, I think, perhaps my favorite. And um, it, it's right up there to me with Calypso. I, I also enjoyed that one quite a lot. Um I thought I, I you know, the I, I love the 15 to 20 minute format. I, I'm excited about this. Um, and I think as a first foray into these by the official Trek folks, <laughs> we've had this from from unofficial uh, Trek folks before. Right. But but um, but as a first foray from the official Trek folks, I'm excited. And, and I hope that this is something they continue to do. I was a little disappointed in in uh, in, in a couple of them. In terms of plot, uh, I, I, I thought that even though it's 12, 15, 20 minutes, I, I thought we, you can still, in that amount of time, tell a story that has a beginning and a middle and an end. And uh, I think the more successful ones did that. I think the, le the less successful ones either didn't do that at all or, or, or did it and, and there, was, there was no tension or drama to the, the beginning, middle, and an end. Okay. And so... Um, and so I, I, um, I, I think that they were a lot of fun, and they're great to to pull things out. I, I, I think I liked the ones that that were uh, off the ship better, like the like tonight's off off disco. Um, sure. But but it's still fun to see a different part of something, and 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 to 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 get a. a a scene from some other part of the of the universe. We know we've discussed on on this or or enterprising individuals. One of the podcasts we've discussed how much how what a big universe this is. What yeah. we, we've got we've got decades of 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 great canonical backstory to explore, and the short treks are a great way to to dip into some of those and have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into it. Tonight we've seen the last in a series of four short films set in the universe of Star Trek Discovery called Short Treks. This week's short trek is The Escape Artist, featuring the character Harry Mudd. And before we start, as always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone, listeners, so be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for The Escape Artist is, 
Harry Mudd, back to his old tricks of stealing and double-dealing, finds himself in a precarious position aboard a hostile ship just in time to try out his latest con. The episode was written by Mike McMahon, who is a writer for Rick and Morty, and it was announced last year that he would be developing an animated Lower Decks series for All Access. Uh, Speculation, gentlemen, what do you think that we might see with an animated Star Trek series? Scott, you want to jump in? Sure. Well, I'm expecting it to be not quite as out there as Rick and Morty, but I'm assuming (laughs) it's going to... uh... That it's going to have uh, fun with the Lower Decks premise and be more uh, comedic in general. Uh, I, I, I'm excited uh, uh, because I am, I'm a huge fan of Rick and Morty. And in amongst all the you know, insanity and, and, and just you know, <laughs> way beyond edgy kind of stuff that they do, uh, they do have some amazing science fiction in Rick and Morty sometimes, and it can be so imaginative visually. Uh, when you do animation, of course, you, it's like you have an, a limitless budget. And so I really hope that they take advantage of that um, with Lower Decks. I'm a little concerned because if it is about the Lower Deck characters they're the ones that you maybe don't expect to get as many away missions. Right. <laughs> but, but I'm hoping that they, uh, they open it up and they have those, uh, people tagging along on missions or getting off the ship and that we get some really huge sci-fi zaniness within the, the, the Star Trek universe. Yeah. And we might be seeing a little bit of what it might look like in an episode like this. Or yeah. even in an episode like Runaway, where, like you said, maybe they're not leaving the ship because, of course, the captain and the first officer have to leave the ship all the time. But, uh, you know, Lower Decks characters might be cleaning something up, you know, or hanging around <laughs> like Tilly is mm-hmm. uh, just having a coffee mm-hmm. or something like that and then runs into something that maybe the captain never finds out about. Alan, uh, what, still, what do you, what you, do you think? Could, yeah, you could still get them off the ship. By having them do all those awful jobs that you know the captain and first officer don't do, like right. you know, there's the geogra- the the, ge- the the geology surveys and the botanical surveys, and you know, or maybe they have to go down and replicate a bunch of stuff. It's all the boring, tedious stuff <laughs> that that nobody wants to do. Who's in charge? And so the the lower, I think there's a whole bunch of of potential for fun, and and they could have all kinds of adventures. Um, you know, uh, I, some of my, like, one of my favorite episodes of the old, uh, Justice League cartoon was like when Booster Gold is running around trying to, 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 to do the right thing while all the big heroes are fighting the big villains. Right. And you know, like, he's, he's essentially the lower decks of the Justice League. I mean, he's the, <laughs> he's the, the C team, you know, he's not even B team. Right. And, um, and I think there's a lot of great humor to be had on the fringes of of what's going on. Um, and, and you know, we had that one that one good episode in TNG that was the lower decks that 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 clearly this is in you know is taking its inspiration from yeah. um, the idea that we're going to see ensigns in different departments um, doing their thing. I, I, based on tonight's episode. I have high hopes. I, when I first read about the writer of tonight's episode and and saw that he was doing this, I was like, ah, an animated Lower Decks that's a comedy? Uh, but then after I watched this, I'm like, I, I'm all in. I think this could be a <laughs> sure. really good show. 
And speaking of uh, Justice League, I just realized that I've got Alan Scott on my show tonight. So that's oh yeah, that's right. We're Green Lantern. Yeah. And if you like that nerd alert, here's another one. Uh, I uh, I used to play the Star Trek role-playing game from uh, Last Unicorn Games, and we had our characters, and we, we took it seriously. We thought of ourselves as, like, real Starfleet officers. We got a little bored after a while of the long adventures that we had had with those characters, so we sort of shifted to uh, Lower Decks characters, like, you know, a little bit less responsibility. And on our first mission out, we got a bunch of people killed, and we had to stop <laughs> stop that part of the adventure because that was not working out okay. So hopefully it won't get that bad on the animated show. Uh, this right. episode was directed by actor and star Rain Wilson. Of course, uh, he plays Harry Mudd. Uh, he previously directed three episodes of The Office, so he's somewhat new to the game, but I think he does a pretty good job in this episode. This episode is maybe, as far as I know, the first one to ever focus, at least in part, on a Tellarite character. Uh, played yeah. in the episode by Harry Judge. He also played um, various Taylorite characters uh, previously on Discovery. Um, so let's get into it. I mean, what did you guys think of the Escape Artist, Scott? What'd you think? I enjoyed it. It um, it gave us a, a a tone that was a little bit more uh, similar to the original series uh, Harry Mud episodes, especially um, the second one, I Mud. Yeah. Um, and so you, so you got to see the more comedic side of the character, and it played off that well. Um, I liked how they fitted into the continuity that it was um, after his last appearance on Discovery, but then it kind of does a sort of call forward to... Uh, the original series because it involves androids and right. again in these in his second appearance on the original series that was the whole thing that was on this planet full of androids right and uh and then the um just playing off the idea that he is just this uh lifelong <laughs> criminal you know that just like he's <laughs> always in trouble he's always trying something he's always just barely escaping uh, so it, it had a lot of fun with the, the the basic premise that we have for this Harry Mudd character. Yeah, I don't want to get too continuity copy, but I thought you know the the androids were clearly a reference to I Mud. But are we yeah. to believe now that he's had contact? Because the androids are supposed to be from uh, they were created by like a race from the Andromeda Galaxy or something like that, is what's mentioned I think in I Mud. So are we to don't... believe? Are we to believe that he's had contact with them before, or he's maybe he's stolen and is using their technology? No, the the way I took it, and this is only from my own uh, obsessive continuity. Well, I, I trust your thinking. I trust your obsession. Uh, see, yeah, I, yeah. For the reasons you stated, I would be reluctant to consider them the same androids. Yeah, I think that this is some other thing. Um, but what it does set up is that he has a familiarity with using this kind of technology okay. and, and, that, and that's why this you know, goof kind of goofball character would then be able to interact with the androids, you know, 12 years down the road sure. uh, <laughs> in, in his future. But, you know, I don't know, in, in some way, if you want to be real hardcore, I think that you would do you know sort of think that uh that it doesn't make sense that that he's with androids now because it's 12 years before he ends up on the android planet but uh that, 
that doesn't bother me because there's obviously more than one source for Android technology across the uh, the Star Trek galaxy. So yeah, He's yeah like, I-, I thought it was just a nice echo of that episode and not and not meant to be a continuity connection with that episode. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and he he get we're we're told when we you know when when um when the Tellarite brings the 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 android version of Mud on board and doesn't realize it, you know the 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 Starfleet officer is like, oh yeah, he makes these. You weren't with it long enough for it to fail. And, and when he opens the door, they're all one of them is banging its head against the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. you know. So I I, I think these are. The, the level of Android that he's building work, you know, is, is good enough to fool you for the, for 30 minutes. I mean, right. we, we were, we were with it the whole time and, and, you know, then the arm popped off, you know I mean? Like, you know, before he could <laughs> put it in. So I think, I think it's just a, a nice way of, of, of echoing the, the Android episode, you know, with, uh, with mud from the original series, but not meant to be, continuity of the same the same androids yeah this, yeah well put... and i liked go ahead Scott. there was a um one of the androids that was in the the room there on the starfleet yeah. ship uh looked like he was wearing a uniform very similar to the outfit that mud wore in i mud right. yeah he's got the with, blue jacket with the gold yeah apples on appellates, it. Yep. yeah so that right. was a fun little call out there as well. Does this put into question if when we see Harry Mudd again, should we be worried that he might be an android? Can we trust if we, <laughs> when we see Mudd again that it's, it's actually him? Galactic all over again. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, right. There's he's a toaster. Model. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott, d- did you enjoy the episode? Or sorry, Alan, yes. did you enjoy yeah. the episode? Oh yeah, I loved it. Uh, I um, and, and like Scott, I. I also liked that that it felt a little bit more old school mud than new school mud. You know, the two times that we saw him in the Discovery season, the regular season, he was more evil than lovable. And I and I get I've read Rain Wilson talking about the character, and he said, "Look, the, he, he's he's defended the darker take on mud in in Discovery by saying, look, you know, in the original series, he was planning on." abandoning the crew with the androids and he was you know he he was he was going to kill people you know people could die because of his schemes and he was okay with that yeah but at the same time you know the older version was much more of a a a a con man a lovable con man and and yes some of the stuff he was doing was dangerous but i really felt like the the take on mud in discovery was really mean spirited and uh, and 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 much darker, and I love this version of him because he's still doing dark stuff. And and when the Tellerite brings up his list of crimes, murder is listed two or three times. So yeah. they're not they're not backing away from the darker nature of this character. But now we got a little bit more of the you know, seeing him use the same lines over and over again was really funny and really yeah. really made a, to me made him much more of a con man. Now that we like the times we saw him on Discovery, he was in it seemed like he was in full control of his situation. I mean, uh, admittedly, one time he's imprisoned by the Klingons, but he's working with the Klingons. He's kind of he's not getting beaten up by the Klingons like he's he's pulling all the right strings. And then, of course, in the next one, he's got the time device and he's really a boss. This time we got to see the times that he really fails. And (laughs) I thought that made him a lot more human. Yeah, I love the fact that after the crew of Discovery hands him over to 
uh, the loving embrace of Stella, they apparently went to his criminal file and put, yeah, put penetration of a space whale in there. We'll just get into <laughs> that one, too. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of owns it. He owns it. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah you had to be there for that one. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a very specific situation. I really, uh, <laughs> I really did like the, uh, the flashback structure, and it's a great comedic yep. thing um, that I'm sure they used on Rick and Morty, but you get it all over where it's like, I've never, ever done this before, flashback. Yeah. I'm doing this right <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And getting to see how, uh, you know, he's using these uh, techniques that uh, he's using on other people and that just aren't, aren't working on uh, Tevrin Crit the uh the the uh, tellerite something that i found was interesting and i don't know if this is digging too far in but he makes up this what's clearly a lie at least from his perspective about a resistance against the federation um we don't see well we see it sometimes as trek goes on we've seen it more and more a criticism of the society of the federation and the how other races might see them and the tellerite seems interested but he's kind of pretending to be interested just for the bit i guess so i wonder yeah. if that will be a thing in the future if we will see more criticism of the federation i know there's been criticism from the fan base that they feel like in the first season of discovery the federation is not acting much like the federation and so we're still kind of hammering things out before we get to you know the grand future of playing dixon hill on the holodeck but um <laughs> I, I kind of wonder if being, he mentions being taxed by the Federation. Yeah, and there's a tax as well. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's more, you know, just just bluster or, but but you know, it's, he's trying to legitimately con the guy, and he and he's like, like they tax me, you know, like you know, like he's trying to get him onto his side. Like, does the Federation really tax people? I didn't. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. And I, I, and I wouldn't think that they would offer just straight up bounties for people either. But I, <laughs> I, but I guess uh, maybe if you want to clean up space, uh, that's the way to do it. I'm not sure. And a, well, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember if there was mention of a bounty in uh, in the in in the original series. I don't think so. I mean, he was certainly essentially had the equivalent of warrants out for his arrest i guess but right uh, right like but, uh, yeah maybe it's i mean because we are uh, you know a little bit earlier in the history you know there might be things going on that uh, even by the time of the original series 10 years or so later yeah. have you know have passed uh, passed on that they don't do bounties anymore and yeah well as, and as far as the taxes goes the uh references to how the economy works in yeah. the federation has always been muddled throughout the series yeah depending on what the needs of the story if the story right. needs you know needs the person to say oh we're a moneyless society that's what's said and but then every once in a while it's like oh i need credits for something <laughs> right. because you know right. the story needs you know so i don't know yeah there's yeah. that great moment in tng where Riker has to try. You know, he's trying to get information out of the lady playing the like the four armed lady playing the <laughs> right. piano, and yeah. you know, he, he's, you know, she's like, you know, you got a little something, you know, to to sweeten the body. He's like, we don't use money. She's like, well, you got nothing. Yeah, you know, of course like, you don't. Right. That's a fair point. I mean, they got nothing. Good, good luck with that. Yeah, they, they're not. Nobody will take their threat seriously, and they can't grease their palms. So I don't know yeah. what the Federation expects. <laughs> uh, in the in the, one of the first flashbacks that we see when Mud is uh, dealing with uh, Tevin Crit, we see him uh, flashing back to being uh, the captive of a Klingon, and mm. uh, maybe I'm still getting used to this whole uh, new Klingon thing, but that Klingon seemed pretty pale. 
he seemed to have like uh, almost uh, a Valky kind of skin to him. I didn't know if it was mm-hmm. supposed to be implied that that might have been Volk. Oh, I didn't catch that. I yeah, I I did not think of that at the time. Now I'm gonna have to go back and watch that again. I, I mean, all that occurred to me was that I was really glad that they had done a flashback to the Klingons because that yeah. was just another way to tie it in to the yeah. continuity. Yeah, maybe that we went right from there, that scene, to him being on the ship uh, where we find him in the first season of Discovery. Yeah. Um, so we've talked before, or we've talked on this episode, about um, how they've sort of balanced out the, the character of Mud. Um, and I think I would agree that I, if this is the, where they're going with it, like as far as going forward, I like them cutting a tone in between the sort of more goofy um, Roger Carmel mud and the more ruthless uh, mud that we see played by uh, Rain Wilson. Although I feel like the Rain Wilson one does fit a little better into this kind of more dangerous universe that we've kind of uh, developed uh, with Star Trek Discovery. And going totally off the beaten path, just while I have you guys, because I don't know when I'll have you again, uh, what are your uh, brief, brief thoughts about the upcoming Picard show? Oh, I, I'm excited. Um, we, I think we, we talked about this a little bit on our Enterprising Individuals uh, podcast the last yeah. one we did, but I'm, I, I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm, I was intrigued recently by the, by the, the small conversation around like how do how do you bring back data uh and you know there was much talk about other characters from tng era making cameo appearances on the the shows which i would be very excited to see but then there was the question of what do you do with brent spiner how do you handle a robot that's not supposed to age when the actor is clearly aged and um like i I'm, i'm intrigued to actually see them recast the role of data uh i i i'm i'm good with that and I think it would be a lot of fun to to find a new actor for data. Um, and you could even you could even uh, retcon it a little bit by saying he's changed his appearance because um, he's decided you know he grew a beard once. You, you think he could? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he could he could change the the outward physical form that he carries. Um, but but I, I think it's just I think it's a great opportunity. Although I, I've also read. Uh, Patrick Stewart saying that he's been talking with the writers and challenging them to do different stuff. And I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what we'll get. Um, Scott, is there anything that you can reveal that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) no, um, (laughs) but let me rephrase that. Do you know anything? (laughs) (laughs) But I think that there's, I mean, I, I really don't know anything at this point. I don't think anyone really knows anything outside of a, a handful of people. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just very excited for it, you know, uh, because, yeah. you know, Patrick Stewart obviously is great. And, you know, my buddy Kirsten Beyer, she knows what she's doing. They've got Michael Shabon on the in mm-hmm. the writing room. And, of course, he is a, a great writer and, you know, a, a huge geek that has gotten a lot of respect, like as a writer of literature, he's one of those few people that kind of crosses over that gets a, a lot of respect as a writer and also happens to be a huge nerd. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so I just think that they have such a, a great group of people at the core. there bringing this together. Uh, 
I'm I'm very positive about it and very excited. But at this point, yeah, I just have no idea where they're going to go with it. I mean, there's so many places they could go because because of the time that has passed. Um, there's so much that could have happened in the intervening years between the end of Nemesis and where we're picking up now. They could take Picard anywhere. They could have, you know, if if we get uh, a return of, of other characters, you know, what has happened to them in the intervening decades? Yeah. You know, they could be captains. They could be this. They could be. Th- I mean, there's just they really have. Uh, you know, a, practically a, a blank page where to go with all these characters. Do we know what do we know what Picard's role or position will be in this new show? Is he going to be an admiral? Is he going to be an ambassador? Do we know anything about that? I don't think that we do. I just know that Alex Kurtzman, you know, the producer, has said that it will be very different. And I believe that he said it would be uh, contemplative which, I mean, I think we all assume that having uh, Captain Picard or, or John Luke Picard involved, so yeah. uh, nobody knows. Well, and he's not going to be doing an action hero stuff at his age either. I, mean, um, <laughs> hey, I wouldn't put it past him. Well, <laughs> he, he still could. Yeah, but there, there's still, there, there, there could be some really terrific plots, though, um, that, that don't require action and adventure but still have a lot of tension to them, a lot of um, sort of Federation uh, intrigue uh, you know, and, and galactic yeah. intrigue. So uh, I'm 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 very hopeful. Uh, I I love Patrick Stewart and and uh, happy to see him back in the role. Yeah, me too. Well, okay, back to uh, the escape artist. Yeah. Um, something that I wanted to sort of examine is we. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of racial profiling going on about the Orions. Like every time we see the Orions, they're involved in something dirty, uh, something uh, underhanded or criminal. And of course this is set, you know, before the original series, Uh, we go on to, uh, I guess DS nine and we see them there. We see them in enterprise and they're always up to no good. And when are we going to see some Orions doing something that, I mean, there must be some part of Orion society that isn't involved in a giant criminal conspiracy <laughs> to do yeah. uh, bad things across the universe. You want the Orion doctors? You want the Orion engineers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're good ones. There must be. <laughs> yes. And it seems to me, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now, but it seems to me that there's been some stuff like that in some of the novels that... Uh, sure. So, you know, yeah. that 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 acknowledges that, yeah, yeah, there's this Orion syndicate that gets all the the, the bad press. But then there's <laughs> got to be, you know, the actual rest of the population of the species that, uh, you know, and it's kind of, um, you know, it's it's more similar to the say the, the the way that the Klingons or the Romulans were portrayed in the original series where sure. they're just the bad guy. You know, yeah, right. or the or the freaky in in the TNG DS nine always being greedy. Like there there's, you know, I mean, I guess yeah. DS nine they start to do different stuff with with Nog uh, and Rom, um, but they they feel like they're really the anomaly. But I guess we we do get to see a little bit of different stuff from them. But but racially, like every other Ferengi you meet is 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 exactly stereotypical. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's you know, and I think a lot of that is just. You know, it just makes it easier to tell the yeah. stories, but yeah. that that's a problem that you get in a lot of um, televised sci-fi is that you get the, the, the monoculture thing. Right. It's like, <laughs> right. you know, a, a species 
is just the same <laughs> across the whole thing. And then that way they can just, you know, fill a certain role that's needed in the, the drama of the story. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it would be nice to see that opened up here and there. And so that yeah. you get away from that, that feeling of, <laughs> of stereotyping, <laughs> you know, some of the, some of the races that haven't been explored as much, the Tellarites, for example, or the Andorians. We had we had a little bit of Andorian stuff on Enterprise, but um, but but for the most part, those are a couple of races that that were shown in in the original series and then didn't get a lot of play in in TNG and DS9 era stuff. Uh, you know, Tellarites just disappeared, and um, you know those are those are races now that they can they can show us those people doing different things because we haven't been told they all do X, you know, yeah. uh, you know, th those may be, those races may actually have a lot more room for, for some, some layered portrayals uh, yeah. because they haven't been established with stereotypes. Yeah. I want a whole Tellarite arc on discovery. And I also want the uh, rehabilitation <laughs> of the Orions. Uh, definitely as well. <laughs> the only the Orion scene in this, the Orion scene in this was really funny, though. I, I, that was, I mean, there were many good jokes in this. I was laughing throughout it, but the cape conversation was really great. And yeah. then, <laughs> and and then for the for the woman to come in and be like, you know, we have a camera on the room, right? I mean, like that that's some. I just think that's some really good tight humor, and it was a very quick scene, but really well done. Yeah, I just liked how over it she was. She's like, okay, all right, all right. I'm so yeah, she's like, come on, really? Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I want to talk about uh, season two or your guys' ideas about season two. So if there's anything else you want to say about the escape artist, say it now. Uh, I, um, I did want to oh, go. You go ahead, Scott. And well, I, I was just going to say, um, as far as uh, looking at the, 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 the continuity of character, uh, I wanted to make a follow up comment on Harry Mudd, because in, in his first appearance in, in Mudd's Women, um, <laughs> You know, he's basically a sex trafficker <laughs> yeah. using illegal drugs, you know, <laughs> and and so it's one of those weird things where the show took a humorous tone in, in many ways, uh, even though the subject matter was incredibly dark. Uh, right. And 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 so we have this tendency to and, and then, of course, because we had uh, Carmel's performance as such a great flamboyant performance we all have these memories of harry mudd just being this lighthearted, funny you know lovable rogue but it's like man he was up to really <laughs> nasty stuff and it kind of reminds <laughs> me of the trouble with tribbles in that regard it's like you know the trouble with tribbles is obviously you know a well-loved for every reason humorous episode but what was really going on there were the klingons poisoned this grain that could have wiped out an <laughs> entire right. planet of people yeah, yeah yeah um and so i think that um his uh, portrayal in discovery the stuff that he's up to isn't that different than the stuff that he's up to in the original series but in the the overall series has a darker tone, and so it really comes across so much darker. And a, a weird thing about that is you don't think of him necessarily, especially as we saw him in the original series, as being a murderer. And in Discovery, we see him murdering people left and right, but yeah. 
by the time the timeline resets at the end of uh, that episode, uh, I don't think anyone actually has been killed. He's killing people left and right, but then he's he knows that he's going to reset things. Right. Um, and and so it's kind of interesting there that they they kind of get to have both sides of this. It's like you get to see him being brutally murderous, but on <laughs> but in reality, at the end, it's like everything's been reset. No one. I don't think there was anyone that ended up dead by the end of the episode. Even the poor uh, space whale was still alive. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, the character, you know, then he did have actually another appearance. There was a mud uh, animated episode. Right, right, right. Where he was up to his same shenanigans with a love potion that that created yeah. an embarrassing incident between uh, Nurse Chapel and Spock. <laughs> right. Um, and then the, I mean, this just goes to show how popular this character was. Uh uh, J.A. Lawrence, the uh, wife of James Blish, who and you know, and they had written all the uh, novelizations of the original teleplays. Th- they actually wrote an original Mud novella hmm. um, that was, you know, just more the same, you know, lovable <laughs> Harry out cheating people. <laughs> right, right. Space Pim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he really mellows out once he gets into white slavery. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. uh, he, and I think I think I just have one more quick comment on yeah. the continuity. I think the the other thing that's interesting about the continuity is looking at the glimpse that we got of Stella in Discovery, and then looking at how uh, <laughs> Harry uh, at how Harry uh, portrayed her in Android form. <laughs> Right, right in muds in uh, in i mud and uh, how he had obviously soured on her even much much more than he had you know after 10 10 or 12 years <laughs> of uh of marriage assuming that they got married soon after the uh, father and her you know took him away right well i i um i i i had two quick comments too about this and then we'll we'll move on to season two uh, I, I I thought that that this short track was going to end with the scene with all the mud bots in the closet, and um, and, and I was happy. I was laughing. I thought it, I thought we were done. And then though, to cut to Mud Ship where he's got the android factory going and he's being served by versions of himself, and right. <laughs> and he reveals himself to be the bounty hunter who is selling he. The, the 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 extra little joke at the end that he's not only producing the androids to get out from being caught, but selling them to the people who want to do him harm. Right. <laughs> that that was the you know I I was like no don't like as soon as we cut to the ship I'm like oh you should have stopped in the closet that with the with the muds that was a great way out and then I was like no 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 this was totally worth it I I I was worried they were pushing the joke a little too far and then. I really feel like it. It was a perfect way to end that 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 story. I I was really impressed that they took the joke one last one last place and they made it an extra con on top of a con. Yeah, it's you know, a he's not drift. only yeah he he's not only getting out away getting out of trouble by creating androids. He's profiting on it, and I <laughs> I, I thought that was really fantastic. Um, my only other thing, and and you'll appreciate this, I think, uh, Aaron, because we've talked about this on on Discovery before. Discovery. 
uh, we had a return appearance of Ensign Daft Punk, just briefly. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Ensign Daft Punk was on, there was at least maybe Daft Punk's brother or sister. It's it's hard to You're tell. Right. Well, there's two people uh, in Daft Punk, so yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. So it, it's, right. it's, it's the, other the, other, the other The other one. Um, so maybe, so, and, and I'm hoping that the author, that the, the scriptwriter wrote that in specifically, and it wasn't just pulling a costume out of the closet to, to populate the corridor. Um, <laughs> I, I hope that we get Ensign Daft Punk on the uh, lower decks. Did anybody catch what class the ship uh, DeMilo was? Uh, no. It looked no. like, it seemed like it, oh, I mean, with the ship design, redesign, I can't really tell, but I mean, it had a kind of Discovery-ish vibe, but you right. couldn't yeah. really tell what it was. So maybe the Discovery... Um... And at first, I thought it was Discovery. When oh, we yeah, first right. seen on the scene, I thought it was Discovery, and then as they got closer, I was like, oh, okay, I, I realize this is not Discovery, but... Um, but my first thought was, oh, they're actually going to have a cameo for the ship in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe just the crossfield class requires a, uh, a Daft Punk to help navigate or whatever. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, we are at the point on our show usually where we check our threat ganglia and try to figure out who's going to be killed off next. But, of course, we've got a whole new season to look forward to. So let's <laughs> instead speculate on what we think is going to happen and maybe who's going to die in season two. What do you guys think is coming up? I mean, we, we've seen uh, multiple trailers um, and we've talked a little bit about what we think is happening. But, like, what do you think is really going to I want your speculation on uh, what the Red Angel is, you know, what the lights are. Um, this discovery is definitely as a series has introduced new things to the canon. But also we've got number one, we've got. Uh, Spock coming back, you know, we've got Pike. They're definitely down to dig into some of the um, unused ideas from the original series. So do you think that these new elements are old elements in disguise? Mm. Scott, do you have any thoughts? Can, I am uh, not at liberty talk, to... So. Uh... Yeah, this is all for Alan. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> he knows too much. Yeah. He knows too much. Um, so I... I, I... Uh, I, I mean, I, I think this is no secret, or at least it's stuff that I've read. So again, spoilery stuff if people want to tune out before they watch, you know, fresh. But um, you know, Section Thirty One um, is, is going to show up, and and sure. uh, and and the the evil Giorgio is going to, uh, I, I think, be the head of that, or be the, in, the the person who begins it, or or at least takes the reins of it. I think that that we're going to see um, that storyline uh, emerge. I've also read that we're going to see a, a broken Spock, or or, or a, 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 I don't know if broken is the right word, but but um, a Spock with issues. Um, <laughs> sure. uh, so so maybe we're going to get at, at some of uh, Spock's issues through his relationship with his adopted sister. I'm assuming we will, and um, you know we're going to have Pike. It's unclear to me, and 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 maybe I've missed this. I haven't read all of the the, the speculation on the coming season, but. Um, you know, uh, how they're going to balance the, the, the two crews, how we're going to balance the, the, the enterprise is the enterprise. I mean, Pike is the captain of the enterprise. He's not, he's not going to be the captain of discovery. Right. I mean, like uh, it, it, what, what's going to happen it was, is Saru now the captain of discovery and, um, going forward. Is that, is that what we've got going for season two? Well, there's three of us. Uh, one of us knows, and two of us don't. So I guess we can only uh, we can only really so speculate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I I don't really. Um, 
I, I would guess that it it does seem like Pike is sort of taking provisional command of Discovery, right. um, possibly because if these lights are all over the galaxy, we're going to need a ship that can you know get out there without it taking hundreds of years. So, right. and then as far as you know, I'd I'd like to see a lot of Number One, but I don't know. Maybe Number One will just be in a few scenes where it's like, yeah, I got to go over and do this. And she's like, okay, I'll take care of the ship, and maybe that that'll be it. So we'll so, see. So you know. It- Possibly, then, what could happen is if they if they need the if they need the Discovery's ability to jump around, then perhaps Pike and Spock come on board, and and number one remains behind to to captain the Enterprise. Yeah. And so we'll we'll see her and the Enterprise show up occasionally because I think this is going to be the the biggest trick of, of season two, and that's juggling two ships. One that we've just started to care about the discovery and yeah. one that we all care about because we're star Trek fans passionately. And that's the enterprise. Yeah. And so you, it's going to be a trick for the show not to become the last episode of enterprise where, where <laughs> you've got beloved characters from another show coming on and hijacking your show. Um, you know, it's, it's going to have to be important that Pike and Spock and number one, that they are, secondary characters to the characters on discovery and that's really i mean you're asking us to make spock a secondary character and that i mean he may even become like a primary character for the season but then it takes the spotlight away from these characters that we're just getting to know and that as i said before i'd love to see more time with you know i i i'm disco yeah, it's a balancing act, and we started the show talking about the face of new TV, and, and one of the facets yeah. of that face is, you know, multiple storylines. It's not enough to have Data playing with his cat, you know, in a B, in, in a B story, <laughs> while there's a crystalline entity or whatever in, in the A story. And so right. I, I think that, I think they're up to the challenge if what they're doing is uh, trying to balance uh, these multiple storylines. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see how they do it. Um, you know, the 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 Pike Spock relationship is one that that uh, has been written, been written about off screen, and and fans have enjoyed uh, speculating about and 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 writing about. Uh, it'll be interesting to see that develop more uh, in canon on screen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, we're going a little long here, so I think that's it for our show this week. But I want to say thanks for joining us, listeners. And if you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EIST Pod for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and episodes of Discoverage are released. You can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage or email us at EISTPod at gmail.com. And when you're on the Internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show. Give us a rating and a review if you think of it, because it really does help us out. And I want to say that we've got merch. You can check out our T-shirts available on our Public store. You can search for Just Enough Trope on Public. It's our parent network. Get our snazzy Trek wear. And if you really want to support the show, stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EIST pod and as always if you like the show tell a friend discoverage returns on january 17th with the premiere of season two of star trek discovery we'll go live as soon as the episode is over give or take a few minutes so please join us then in the meantime check out our main show enterprising individuals at enterprisingindividuals.com. every wednesday i and a guest discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a star trek series uh, we also have news from the trek sphere we'll have continuing updates on star trek discovery and interviews with special guests and now is a great time to catch up on the show uh, we just completed our our third season and we are getting ready to debut the fourth season soon so check it out at enterprisingindividuals.com 
Alan, thanks for joining me on the show uh, and talking about the short trek. Can you remind people where they can find you online? Yep, I'm at Alan Gratz, all one word, on Twitter, A-L-A-N-G-R-A-T-Z. And uh, also my website is just alangratz.com. Yes, and you can find Alan's work uh, on Amazon as well as other places. And Scott, where can people find Generations Geek? You can find that at generationsgeek.com. And you can also find me on my website, yashure.net. That's Y-E-A-H-S-U-R-E.net. And uh, that will also have links to my blog and and other things. I'm on Twitter and that sort of stuff as well. So uh, you can find me all over the place. Great. What uh, What's coming up on Generations Geek? Give us a sneak peek. Let's see. The next uh, the uh, the current episode is the uh, is Ella's big report from uh, Destination Star Trek and some other stuff. And then the next episode after that is uh, William Leisner back on the show to talk about his Star Trek novels and his other writings. And then after that will be what I'm calling our lost episode, uh, reviewing <laughs> uh, Thor Ragnarok. Okay. <laughs> we actually better late uh, than never. <laughs> yeah, we re- we re- we saw we went to it the, like the sneak preview premiere at you know midnight or something got home and recorded the episode and and it was so late and I didn't know if I was really satisfied with it and meant to come back to it uh, and record some more and uh, and eventually just kind of forgot that there was this episode <laughs> in the can <laughs> and so we're going to come back and uh, record on some new segments now that we've both watched the movie several other times and uh, and that'll come out in a couple of months sure what was that Bonus material. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can look at it in uh, perspective of everything else that's going on in the Marvel Universe yeah. now, too. Yeah. So. Well, uh, that's great. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, that's it for us and this show. Thanks for listening, and we are signing off. This is Aaron for Alan and Scott saying live long and prosper. Bye. <laughs>